Hey everybody, another corner conversation on the book of John. Today we get to the point of Jesus interacting with a Samaritan woman at the well. Did you guys watch Highway to Heaven in 1980? What is Highway to Heaven? <laughs> was it a sitcom? Was it a movie? Little, little House in the Prairie? My like mom did. Little House in the Prairie? Only like my mom. Landed. He's in Little House in the Prairie. Yeah, I tried to watch it with my mom once right? and it was miserable. Little House in the Prairie is Are you talking about modern context heaven? of slow. Are you talking about Touched by an Angel? No. No, touch by... No, that's... How much, uh... Seventh Heaven? What's, Seven, what's, Seven. What about Columbo? Did you watch Columbo or Matlock? Rambo? I've heard Matlock before. I've heard the name. Rocky. Columbo? One, no, two, Matt. and three. You've never heard the name Columbo? No. I've heard it. I have literally no idea what it is. It means. sounds like it might be hey, Matt, Matt Hinton is with us today, and Matt is in his fifth decade, so he's seen all these things. <laughs> Did you guys ever see the movie The Mission? That was yeah. a '90s movie. Yeah. You were you were old. <laughs> the the mission. The mission. Yeah, it was. Maybe it was Al Pacino. I was thinking of the Saint. Was Al Pacino in it? No. Was it Tom? Tom Go Cruise. No. Danny DeVito. No. Sit. Throw Mama from the train. <laughs> terrible, terrible movie. <laughs> throw Mama. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Today's podcast is sponsored by Terrible Movies. Throw what was, Mama what was, from the What train. did you watch when you were? My the, first movie I ever owned. Do you, you owned a movie? My first one ever. Independence Day. Oh, wow. Mm. Welcome to Earth. <laughs> yeah. Still remember that part. Did you, ever, did you ever watch French Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, or are you too young for that? I watched reruns. Reruns. I don't think Not they, in prime time. I don't think, I think they Nick had the Knight originals had on. Yeah, when <laughs> what? We were kids. I don't think the originals were on when we were young. I think it was already well, reruns. It wasn't on when I was a kid. Mm. Way before was, that time. No, I don't know when that came out. Maybe when I was a teenager. Probably late 80s. Really? Yeah. Could you do the whole song? Yep. I, I won't. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Just so you know, so I would say it's fair to say that there is a finite amount of brain space that's fair to say it's not infinite and zach your head is full of so many song lyrics it blows my mind and they're all dumb song lyrics that's the problem it's all stupid. no it's just it's impressive to me because i think zach is actually pretty good at memorizing things i am actually that's really his I, recall of bibles like i always like i rely on zach I'm like what happened in this story and he knows more of like my memory facts. is pretty good that's i don't know really... why but it is which is why I can quote Nacho Libre from start yeah. to finish. Yeah, movies. <laughs> well, also I've seen lyrics. it a hundred plus times. But for me, my favorite moment when I realize that I'm not so great at retention sometimes is when the it's been a long time. But when I'm leading worship, and I start strumming the chords <laughs> to a song that we've done for two previous <laughs> services and rehearsed and yeah. practiced, and I pick the song, yeah. and I start strumming, and I go, I have no idea what the song sounds like. <laughs> I just know it's me. just an E major where right now. Where my trust is without borders. Where my trust is without borders. Uh, so I always have, borders. I have this code. I always tell people that are with me is that if I look at you at the beginning of a song like this, a glare, Start singing, because I can't. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, 
We yeah. haven't done in-person music for a year months now. That's interesting. Hey, this is our. I haven't missed it. This is our I anniversary. This is our anniversary it. of the United Service. Yeah. The last one. The last United Service. Wow. We went sledding at the end. Oh, that was fun. I scratched Zach's van with a music that was stand. The wow. We ever got he still is. He still is upset about that. Service in Uptown. That was the closest we got. That closed down the globe. <laughs> <laughs> we were still twenty-five blocks away from Uptown. It was close. Yeah, it was close. Yeah. We tried. Yeah, we're gonna keep to keep okay. going. Well, Matt, it's good to have you here today. We're talking about talking our way through John, and part of our marveling of the Book of John is it, as we study this, we're. We are breaking it apart, but we're also, at least for us, man, it's so amazing to see how John is, is really painting this picture, uh, drawing this. His objective that, uh, I would say before the series, now for the rest of my life, if, if somebody would ask me, what is John's objective? If you had asked me in November of last year, I would have gone, talk about Jesus, I guess. I, don't I would have said, what part? <laughs> That's good too. I would have just thought about John three sixteen probably. Mm. It yeah. feels like every like the way that I've understood John for so long is each of these stories has this significant theme that stands alone, and I'm learning that that may not be yeah. the case. <clears throat> John writes at a different level. Uh, I this is not theologian talking, but for me, I think that the reason why it was the last published gospel is because. He, like, ooh, I can work this in. Okay, I'll mail this theme. Ooh, these can, I'm going to put this here. Like, he's really building this intention in his writing. And, uh, and that, that takes these narratives that I have known and is giving them a different level of, of depth and understanding. And so his objective, John 20, 30, 31, is that we would see that he's the Messiah and that, that there's life for light in relationship with him. And so... That we, John's objection is that we see Jesus as the Messiah. Yeah, yeah. Not not John, but yeah. Hmm. That's good. Good point. You said he twice, so I wasn't sure which yeah. he. I mean, I knew what you meant. Well, but. thank you. Hmm. Ask Matlock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so today we come across the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and uh, the the thing to to build on in this. And we can talk definitely more about different subtleties or nuances, but um, John chapter 3 and John's intentional layering and placing of Scripture is where Nicodemus, a religious authority, somebody well-respected, somebody well-trained, somebody well-heard, somebody that knew Jesus and apparently Jesus knew as well. And, uh, well, but, who is supposed to know God the best? Yes, Walks in and just doesn't get it. And it's this, I think, I think it's, and maybe I'm too far in it, but I think it's like this super sarcastic moment of John because Jesus is going, you have to be born from above, which the same word means born again. And then Nicodemus goes, you have to be born again? Like go to your mom's womb? No, you need to be born from above. So back into my mother's womb. But how womb. can I be born and, again? No, you need to be born from above, of, of spirit and of water. Like he says that, right? He says, I just don't get it how I... Two can... wombs? <laughs> how my can mom not be? like this. <laughs> and uh, so it's it's like this, it's a joke. 
<laughs> and it's to point out the thing that should be the most obvious the religious authority didn't get. And then you turn the page, and it it's so remarkable. You, you could gather so many things from the story of the Samaritan woman, but all of a sudden the Samaritan woman goes, we're waiting for the Messiah. And Jesus reveals himself mm-hmm. to her. And then there isn't any story of like Jesus then did, you know, two days of magic tricks, and they <laughs> loved it. But rather, it says that Jesus taught him for two days, and the whole community believed. Yeah. He said, all right, peace, I'm going to go. Yeah, she goes to the community and says, this guy, he knows me, so come meet him. Like, yeah. that's the symbol of it, which is really impressive. Like, you hear so much about the miracles Jesus does is like these signs and things, but it was simply this conversation with this woman that was not too abnormal. I mean, yeah. but... There's no resolution in it, which is hard for me. Because, like, in that moment, Greg, you brought up the point that this is, from what we can tell, the kind of the first moment of Jesus revealing himself as a Messiah. And, like, how powerful of a picture that is, that it's, in the culture of the day, women were not as important as men. And not only that, this was a woman who was not a Jewish person. She was, well, she was a Samaritan. So, like, Jews and Samaritans were... And Jews hated Samaritans. Yeah. And uh, so, like, super powerful moment that in my mind, I'm like, well, Jesus, you just did this crazy thing, and now you're going to bring some kind of resolution. And he doesn't. But and, and another layer on top of that is that, so she's been married five times and then is living with somebody who's not her husband. And this, a woman couldn't bring or file, however you want to term it in historic sense, but couldn't petition for divorce. This was done by... Always done by the man. Yeah. A woman would just have to just deal with it if it was terrible. And so she had been abandoned five times and now was living with somebody because it wasn't under the tie of marriage. She was living with somebody who had no hesitation to not provide for her, to not give her safety, to had no tie to that. And you can, so one side of it you could say, <clears throat> she probably wasn't blameless. True. But... Does not being blameless merit uh, being just thrown away over and over and over and over again? And now here, Jesus is at this well, and you know Jesus goes, "Hey, can I get a drink? You want a drink?" Like has this conversation with her, and her response is, "Ah, you're not supposed to talk to me." And what a response for somebody who's been treated like trash. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I mean, one thing I think about is effectiveness. Like, Jesus had a purpose, obviously, coming to earth and living this life. And, you know, if I was to write the story of how to be most effective as the Messiah, it would not be to reveal myself to this woman first. Sure. No, it, and for sure, like, if you would go to Nicodemus the day before and go, hang on a second. I'm going to go talk to the Samaritan. I, by the way, I am from God. Yeah. Not even say the Messiah, but I'm going to go hang with them for a couple of days. He, Nicodemus got a, a little bit of time, a conversation in the evening, mm-hmm. and Jesus and his disciples spent two days with these Samaritans. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and it makes me like wonder what was, what was Jesus' purpose? Like, What's the purpose of the gospel if, if the first person to be revealed to is this person that by, for many it would have been considered the most outsider, the least of. Yep. 
the least important, the least credible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, <clears throat> um, the thing that I talked about in just the background in this, for me, that was really remarkable and just changing for me in the last 10 days is that if I read this to see Jesus's character as opposed to reading this to see how I'm failing or I should be more, it's important to be Christ-like. But I can so quickly go, everything in the Gospels is just to remind me that you're not Christ-like enough. Well, what if, what if I just say, well, what is Christ-like? Well, that, I, I did a little research of where the term Christian comes from. And like, that's a microcosm of yep. what to be Christ-like is. And because it, it's not in Scripture. No. Christian that shows up in Scripture for the first time in... I have a script reference. <clears throat> I don't remember. I think it's Acts something. Yeah, they were called Christians, yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's not this list of even character traits. It's not this list of things you do and things you don't do. It's literally the crossing of cultural boundaries Hmm. it's it's tearing down walls between groups of people who didn't interact and didn't care for one another like that's where the term christian comes from yeah we we're living up to that yeah well like the early church where where the christian term comes from i mean they were living out jesus's interaction with the samaritan woman to such a high degree that the people didn't know what to call them because they were no longer Jews. They were no longer Gentiles. They were this mixture, amalgam of yeah. random people. Yeah. The the most common like iteration or whatever is that they're followers of the way, which again is what is the way. It's... It sounds very cultish. Yeah, I don't like it. I, I love that it's like, yeah. It's a good oh, 80s way. metal band. It probably was at many points in many states an 80s Christian metal band. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, are going to start a band? Yeah, they, they we're going to be called The Way. Yeah. It is interesting, Jesus' character. They're like, yeah, character traits are maybe separate from this initial definition of Christian, but we can't get away from Jesus' character showing up in this story that, like... Of all of the people of the day, again, this woman was not someone who should have been talked with. And so he shows up and his character traits are on display. That he's he's not only afraid to go and present the gospel to an outsider, somebody who is like an enemy of the people he said at other points that he's here to serve. Um, he's not afraid to look bad in front of the religious authorities. He's not afraid to call them out. He's willing to be right in the middle of somebody's messy story and not try and fix them in a moment. He's willing to ask for help, too. These moments where he's sitting at this well. He's a human, like Jesus was fully human, which I can't wrap my head around still, but I was talking to my counselor this week and he helped me to see this thought that I've had many times, but I was like, it's sacrilegious to think, like, Jesus Jesus farted. He did. He was human. He yeah. needed to take showers. Like he well, I don't think they had uh, showers. Yeah. I, that might be <laughs> He still needed them though, okay. you know? <clears throat> like he was he was very human. He sits down at this well in the middle of the day. He's tired, he's thirsty. Tired. He's probably sweaty. His feet probably hurt from walking. Fully human and asks this woman for help. Like that's character that just shows up in an amazing way. 
I, I can't. Again, another one of those revolutionary moments in the last year was just our study of Ezra and the the breaking of the Samaritan relationship, the rebuilding of the temple when they're coming back and mm. they go. Uh, the Samaritans came. It's again in Ezra four, five, six, somewhere in there. But it's like we talked quite a bit about this. They yeah. came back, and it's like this moment. They said, We're, "We'll help you. We will, we've help. been worshiping your God. Can yeah. we help you? We want to help you." And then the response was, "No, and no way." And my and I, a common interpretation is like, "Yeah, they stood up for what they believe in. They kept them out." But it's important to realize that uh, Jesus now is the response to that brokenness mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so should have they said yes or no then my interpretation is that they should have embraced their help it's, it could have fixed relationship yeah, forever yeah but here jesus a millennia later is yeah. going uh who, do, who does he go the messiah is here to yeah. first is the one that was not good enough to help mm. yeah, yeah it's pretty powerful that the woman at the well literally represents the woman and children who were turned away by the edicts in Ezra of you're going to cut off your wife and your children and you're going to send them you're going to send them away so that we can be pure again and then Jesus meets with this woman yeah the impure hundreds of years later the impure the cut off and brings back into connection and relation it was just chapters before that Jesus says I'll build I'll tear down the temple and rebuild it and who does he announce the actual rebuilding of the temple too it's the Samaritan woman Yeah. So that's that's crazy. Oh, and I bet I just again weird assumption, not theological study, but like, don't you think John was just going like, can you believe this? Like yeah. he's just yeah. just blown away by these perspectives, mm-hmm. and then to hear, you know, coming that when Jesus is asked about neighbors and truly being a connector, he would then use a Samaritan again as the illustrator of mm-hmm. the one who's kind, mm-hmm. and so to break the outsider. From being an outsider to being part of family is uh, the heart of it, and that—that that is Jesus's character. Now, how do you do that? Is great. We should work on that. But how do we do being a follower of Christ, being a Christian? We have to first realize His character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can quickly get into our lists of, oh, here's my good character traits, and here's where I'm being like Jesus, and here's my bad areas that I'm—I just don't want to talk about, and. I think I'm doing good enough, and even in that mindset, I'm missing sometimes the... Right in front of me, Jesus is trying to show off his character. Such a good example of that is the toxic purity culture that we grew up in, is in an effort to be Christ-like, we're going to create these systems that blame women for men's faults, that... um, creates systems of shame in young men so that they can never fully embrace relationship with their wife. Like, it just goes on and on. And, uh... Yeah, I don't know man, what to... That's a bummer. Yeah, I don't have resolve in that. Hmm. Yeah. Matt, do you have any great words to finish us <laughs> up today on that note? Uh, not, I mean, I don't know. I just... At the beginning, you kind of talked about the the... You know, right before this chapter with Nicodemus and how interesting that Nicodemus came at night. Yeah. Right. And that whole just sort of picture that the the guy that should have known was the guy that was blind. 
and you know the next day he or at least the next place that we see Jesus he, it's it's in the day and he's speaking to someone who really should be blind to to what God is yeah. doing in the world and they're the one who who are actually the ones who are actually looking and I think it's just there's kind of like this warning in there I think uh, I think for us as believers that you know, for us to walk around thinking that we have all the answers, that we we can be just as blind as the people that we hmm. we are accusing of of having kind of spiritual blindness. Yeah. I mean, her response is is actually very incredible for being. Yeah. I mean, if like if I were to think of a woman that had been married five times, my expectations of them of knowing faith probably wouldn't be very high. But she comes in this interaction with Jesus. She has this expectation of Messiah that mm-hmm. even though so much pain has yeah. happened in her life, she still has this expectation of being made right in relationship with God through the Messiah. Mm-hmm. That she's held on to that despite yeah. everything. Like It says a lot about who this woman is. Yeah. A voice of maturity says, uh, you guys worship in Jerusalem and we worship here. Not like a voice of immaturity says, "You guys are idiots." <laughs> Done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And man, I love that you bring that up. Is that the recurring theme in the book of John? Is that what happens during the day is intentionally happening in the day, and what happens at night is intentional. Mm-hmm. And so, it, it's a re- whenever somebody is confused and is truly missing it, it's in John. It's beautiful. It's always at night or in the dark. Mm-hmm. Whether if it's Judas. Uh, or Nicodemus, it's kind of that's the bookend, the folding. You know, I love folded scripture. You love it, mirrored. I oh, I love it. It's so mirrored. cool. I still don't I love even it. understand I write what mirrored mirrors. Mirrored writing. Oh, but uh, okay. We're gonna start doing mirrored messages. <laughs> oh, but the it's not inconsequential in John's writing that he would say it was midday, and so it, the it even says it was noon in some translations, yeah. which is even more. Amazing! Literally, the, the most the daytime day you could get yeah. to. And so, while Nicodemus is in the middle of the night, should have gotten it, but it just is this clear picture. Nope, didn't get it at all. And here is this. So, in the middle of the day, in the most light, here comes strolling up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I think there's this beautiful aspect too that you know Jesus is really kind of introducing the concept that probably is shattering the image for the Jewish people that God God belongs to us and nobody yep. else. And and mm-hmm. here it's like he Jesus is kicking the door open saying, Hey, it's more than just yeah. them. Yeah. And John in his intentionality of the text, this is the first like he's he's opening that door. Yeah. Slamming it open. Yeah. Flinging it open, whatever. Fli- flicking it open. Flicking it open. Yeah. So that, uh, so that intensity of so that you get to Jesus, seeing that Jesus is the Messiah, yeah. is through the lens of yeah. that He's the Messiah to all. Yeah, it's pretty cool if you search just a little bit about the area. This is like a site where so many miracles had happened before, <laughs> and uh, it speaks so much again. If going back to character, that the character of Jesus that I see for myself, for all people, apart from anything I do or don't do, that. He was so willing to go and sit where this woman was and make connection. And uh, mm-hmm. so I, I, I see that in his character toward me too. The moments when I feel like I 
have been the outsider and he's come and he's sat right where I'm at and invited me to connection. And there are usually points where I'm at like a, a site where holy things have happened before and I think I don't have invitation to be part of it. And he comes and invites. And that's, that's really good, I think, for us as individuals and then it should affect how I see other people. It should affect, like, wow, I'm, I'm seeing that person as the outsider still when Jesus all along they're the ones he goes to. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining in. Thanks, Matt, for being here. Yeah. yeah. See you next week. See ya.